0: Dot com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like minded interior designers, you can join our free community, also located at designcoven.com forward slash join. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Bewitching Home. Today I have um, Curtis and Christina joining us. They are a couple that um, are experts, I'd say, in small living, and Curtis is a designer and builder of apartments, uh, rental units that um, are sustainable, and we dive into their practices of sustainable building and design. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode i also wanted to invite you all to tarot tuesday which is happening tonight uh tuesday may 3rd on patreon every first tuesday of the month we gather together in community virtually so you could be anywhere in the world and we have special guests on we have eric from the ink witch tarot who is coming on to share their deck with us their inspiration where they're going and then we pull live cards we pull live cards for the month for everybody that is there and set intentions. So I hope to see you all on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash bewitching and the uh, tiers start at only $5 a month. And that is really what's supporting this podcast. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, um, please support us. Welcome to Bewitching the Home, where we explore holistic interior design and its influence on all areas of our mind, body, and spirit. We discuss practices in creating sacred space in alignment with our higher selves and feature conversational explorations with special guests and ventures through the realm of mindfulness, holistic approaches to design, wellness in the home, and sustainability. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Alrighty, welcome to episode 14. I have Christina and Curtis on with me today, which is so, so, so special. Um, We have a little bit of a history together, so I'm excited to dive into that. But before we do that, we, of course, I'm gonna set our space, and just being really intentional, I'm gonna go ahead and light our candle, bringing in um, that fire element of creation and creativity. I've got a beautiful mithras beeswax candle of course and then i'm going to ring our bell to get us centered and just take a moment to be present <clears throat> and then i have um a beautiful card for ads from inner compass this is um her love cards and i thought it was i like i went through my bin of all the cards that that i have that um creators have sent me and this one just popped out and i was like oh it's love cards i have a couple coming on and then we were just talking and i'm like oh my god and and um you know the creators in the netherlands and christina and curtis had just told me that you guys are actually going there yeah we're leaving uh early may Mm mm-hmm Heading out to London first and then we're over to Amsterdam. Yep, four weeks out. Mm -hmm. So So I love that it's had this whole little connection that I didn't even know about. (laughs) So it's totally calling you in um, that part of the world. So let's see what card uh, we're going to pull for for us today. It's longing. Mm. And we were just talking about this is going to be your first trip, right? Your first plane ride, long plane ride and... yeah uh our last big trip was uh right before really all the shutdown and everything yeah i think it was japan uh so we have been longing for some traveling yes Yes, absolutely (laughs) this is that longing of like now we get to like kind of come back into our world that we were so used to and longing for you know for that back and Um, so yeah, I just encourage anyone that's connecting with the podcast right now and thinking about what's, what's been longing for you and how can you restore that back into your life. I love it. I have a kombucha, of course I'm drinking, um, Nova kombucha. It's the watermelon line. This is their non-alcoholic, um, line, which is freaking rad. And of course I love their, their packaging. Uh, Um, i know isn't it <laughs> the little polka dot yeah we were we were we were we saw that we were doing uh, a little beverage at the beginning so our friend um who is in uh new zealand bob we just got his tea and so we we're drinking his tea but i thought you would like the packaging glasses. oh my god that's isn't that so cool Jeff. yeah wow The tea from him that we're having
1: he's from san Diego. Cheers. cheers
0: cheers yeah. <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> and what's the name of that that um, line? It's little dragon. Little yeah, dragon it's called tea. little dragon tea. Yeah. I forgot the name of this like actual green tea that we're drinking, but yeah, you know, yeah it's yeah. He's been a, he's been
1: a big tea drinker for yeah. like twenty years, and it's been a dream of him his to start this company. So I think he started it. It's probably been like three or four years now. Yeah, I think so. Um, but then just two months ago we got on, uh, Christina organized a FaceTime chat with him and he kind of went through his his process and taught us some things. I, the f- interesting thing I learned because I've been a tea drinker for like five years now is that I can only drink non, uh, non-caffeinated tea and uh, and drinks. And I guess that's not even tea, it's Tizan. I was like, oh, oh,
0: okay. totally different
1: tree. So that was yeah. kind of interesting to learn.
0: Bob was like, you're not really a tea drinker. Yeah, you're not even a tea <laughs> drinker.
1: You're just uh, mixing things into glasses. (laughs) Some
0: sort of a (laughs) brew. Yeah. Yeah. Shaking his head. Talk to me like. (laughs) It's hilarious. Well, you'll have to send me his link because I'll totally put it in the show notes so that we can all just cover this line. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And, and, you know, packaging is everything. It's like that invitation to come into their world. Yeah.
1: He did a good job. It's cool. He
0: did. Holy crap. Okay, I love it um so yeah welcome to enriching the home we have a little bit of a history it was really interesting i think curtis and i reconnected when did you do the duke
1: i think it was five years ago we finished that
0: okay yeah so i was doing staging um so i was i've been doing interior design and then i went off on my own in 14 so it was right around probably a couple years in and i was staging and i got a call from somebody from Curtis's um, company that they wanted some staging and they liked the style. And I was like, all right. So I remember going to the property for the first time, meeting Curtis. And then afterward, I was like, how the heck do I know this person? Like I have met him before. And then it dawned on me that we actually went to high school together.
1: (laughs) And our high school is not that big, but like, I feel like for some reason, there's a big group of people there that you just don't meet because you get in certain tracks in classes and it seems like you have the same kids in each year there was like a whole group of kids that i didn't have in any four years and you were one of those yeah was like,
0: no i don't think we were in a single class
1: no i think we you just had a couple of a couple of your friends were in some of my classes and that's like how i started to understand i was like oh yeah yeah and drew drew spicer you oh know yeah drew from middle school right, right?
0: and uh elementary we went to Lemus, uh, lemon avenue
1: <laughs> That's who actually we're gonna go yeah. visit in a couple of weeks.
0: You are? Oh tell him I said part
1: of our trip was to go and visit him because he comes out here once a year. Aside from COVID, he's got here at least once a year to visit his family. So so we actually haven't been to visit him since he got married, which was like, I don't know, twelve years ago. So it'll be cool to go mm. visit him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so rad. And then and then I met Christina at a networking event. We were sitting next to each other. Mm-hmm. We just clicked. Mm -hmm. and then i remember going to um orchids and onions because i was helping out and i saw you two together and i was like oh my god (laughs) it was just like this big oh that's funny i think the funny part well the funny part was that i'm sitting in and looking towards the stage and then we all get kind of get up and i see you at a distance and i'm like i know her i just met her at hatch and i wave but kurt's like behind me and so i'm like she knows who I am. I know who she is. We're going to like connect right now. But I didn't realize that you already knew Kurt too. And so I'm like, what are you doing? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you guys already knew each other. Yeah. I, was I was late. Like, you, don't you don't know anybody. Get
1: away. <laughs> you don't talk to anybody. I'm like, I know, but sometimes I do.
0: <laughs> I know this one person. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, 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 know, I know Rachel. I know her. I know her.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. It's hilarious. So, I like to start off um, every episode just talking about home. So what is, what is home to you guys right now? I know you have a, a story of how you got to your home, but I'd love to know like, what is home now? And like, how did you get to that space? Cause the way you're living is it's like, honestly, it's a fantasy of mine. I think after the kids leave, then I can start to go tiny. <laughs> well, I guess I guess, honestly, we've always kind of lived small together in the beginning of our relationship. We had our first apartment was probably 400 square feet off of... Uh, right off of Idaho. Idaho and Adam. Yeah. No way. I lived in Idaho and Adam. Yes. And yes. those little cottages? Yeah. Next to the mattress store. Uh, no. The,
1: next to the mattress. There was a <laughs> ma-
0: liquor store. And then yeah. we down Idaho. And then there's like this beautiful like... A home that had a lot of stained glass.
1: Oh, you're you were like on the corner. I'm
0: on the corner. Yeah, across pretty uh, quarter oh, from, south side. um Yeah, south side hit a quarter of Twigs. Oh
1: across yeah, across yeah. from the
0: liquor store. Yeah, yeah, it was
1: very close. My grandma, my great grandma lived two houses up on that side. We have so much weird history. We could go. <laughs> we could talk about it for like a couple hours.
0: Tracking. I it got a though. car
1: stolen there. That was this crazy adventure. <laughs> but yeah, we lived there first, and it was it was super cool. We really loved it there. George Abernathy was the property manager there, this really old kind human that was just huh. like, just one of those people that was super sweet to like be able to live there for a little while. And yeah, we loved it there, it was yeah. great. It think- was $775 for a one bedroom.
0: I know, I like, it was a thousand. Like
1: 80s, you're like, no, 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 this is not the eighties. it's,
0: well, it's just- 2005. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh
1: well, my God. Yeah. Yes, how yeah, like long ago?
0: I was there in 2010. Man, we were just overlapping. But that was, I mean, that's how we started and just having, not ha- not coming from a lot. So we didn't have a lot in any place that we started together. Um, and we started our relationship there. And then shortly after that, we went to another small living, kind of cottagey thing out in La Jolla before we made the decision to buy a home. And so, um, I think conceptually, we always wanted to have like this home that we were going to build, you know, whatever that looked like for Curtis and his background with his dad, who was a builder and his mom, who was very much the caretaker of the home. She had many other things that she um, has, has dabbled in in her life, but was very, very dedicated to the home and what was going on for her boys. And so I think Kurt always had his concept of what that looked like. Um, for me, I, I, I guess I don't know. I'm not quite sure what my my ideal was for home, but I was okay with handing it off to Curtis because <laughs> I I just wow. don't have. If we're talking about building a home conceptually, like physical pieces of it, it doesn't matter to me. Which is weird when you have somebody who has this ability to build beautiful things at the time i didn't know exactly how good he was but he was he was um he was creative and uh he was doing a lot of construction he was running a construction company at the time with his pops and we started searching for a home we looked all over san diego and his dad came across this property that you couldn't really tell What was going on inside? Other than it had this very mid-century look to it, it was 1855. I think it was 1855 built.
1: Gun gunshots were going on inside. Yeah. God. Yeah. The Uh, pool
0: had turned into like a West Nile situation. Yeah, West
1: Nile situation. Yeah. Back. It was right at the. It was right at the beginning of like the foreclosure.
0: Oh right. Uh, What year was this? 2008. Yeah,
1: 2008. It was right. It was right like the early onset of like everything falling out. Yeah. so it was kind of a good time, but it was also not the market hadn't dropped off yet. So we kind of bought it like in the middle. So it was a little bit weird after we bought it. We were kind of almost thinking, Oh, did we buy too high? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The next couple of years we were kind of like, Ooh, I hope it doesn't go down any further. But, but ultimately is the the house had really good bones. Like it was super well built in the fifties. Like a lot of the stuff. There's a lot of really amazing mid-century on Mount Helix. I think oh my it, God. It's just one of those, it's one of those areas in San Diego, like Point Loma is one of those areas, you know, La Jolla obviously has a lot of that, but like La Mesa is kind of like the East County that Mount Helix has a lot of that. And that's ultimately what drew us there because, because we were going to, we had this little shack in Mission Hills right by the nursery and we pulled out because, because it was literally like, there was no property, the driveway ended up being the neighbors, so. It was just like this tiny post yeah. I mean, it was a little too small it was a little too like claustrophobic so so my dad had found that one and so we moved into that and then
0: and we had a lot of construction tools we had a house
1: yeah at that yeah, time exactly. we just had we needed a garage enough. yeah we needed a garage because there was like a lot of stuff coming in and out all the time with our projects so uh so yeah we started that ho- that home project and I mean, let's it,
0: back that up really quick yeah i was uncertain about all of this That's and awesome. right. <laughs> she's like wait, wait let me-. There had been a fire down in the garage, and so the paneling was already smoked out. Um, There was no um, wiring going through the house because that had been ripped out. And the water situation was questionable. You got that working pretty quickly. But um, we owed a lot of gratitude. We still owe a lot of gratitude to his pops who's not... No longer with us, but he just came in and a couple of his friends, and then Kurt had to keep his capabilities and everybody just went to town. And we thought this thing. And let me back that up a little bit more. Our real estate agent looked at it. We were 25 and 26. Luckily, Curtis had saved every dollar since he was like five years old and he can make this dream of buying good bones to come true. And she's like, don't do it. She's like, you guys aren't married. Oh my It's a huge project. I've seen so many things happen. Like, just say no. Walk away. Don't do it. And we're like, we're buying it. <laughs> he was like, we're doing it. And I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. So we all got in there and we thought it was going to take us like five years to renovate. Yeah. It was nine. It took us nine and we did. Well, we had like vir- a big,
1: we had a big window in between where we stopped. some like medical things so it was like a three to four year period where there was not really much going on on the front end there was a bunch going on but we didn't have much money so so our first renovation was the laundry room which is the cheapest room to renovate you know right (laughs) like the laundry room and I did that in nights and weekends and then we did her office which was also like a pretty cheap renovation and then we moved the big one was the kitchen that was the one that saved the money for so like that was after I think like I think three and a half years we had saved enough to like slowly buy the appliances out and then and then buy the cabinets and then we had enough to do that. And that was that was like a really big um accomplishment, I felt like for both of us to to be able to afford to like to be able to afford to to build something beautiful in this home. You know, once the kitchen went in, we were both just kind of like, wow, this is really cool that that we have this place and we have this really custom, beautiful kitchen that she gets to cook in. And, and then the rest kind of just trickled in, but it was funny. Cause naturally what happens with remodels is like, it's a construction zone until you sell it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, everything else was pretty much a construction zone. And then like back in like year eight, we we were like, okay, we really want to. That's kind of when we had this transition in in how we want to live was probably around year eight. We decided that we really wanted to scale back. It was it was too much house for us, and it just didn't make sense from a, um, from like a lifestyle perspective for us. But also, you know, like there was so many things financially, it didn't make sense. We we just want to live smaller. We want to have a smaller footprint. We want to. Well,
0: I think you, you have know. to explain what was also going on. Like we we built this. I think when you ask us what is home, I think we've yeah. figured out that home is always having a project to do there. And so I think building it to this perfection, um, it became more about maintaining it and not ruining it and be careful and don't touch that. And that's not our personality at all. If it's there, we want to use it, play with it. Like our nieces and nephews run through the house, the dogs come. That house became, at the beginning, it was such a gathering spot. We had so many parties
1: and it was great because it was kind of busted up and yeah. old and so you didn't bumpy. care. So We'd have these big parties and it was like, whatever. Didn't matter. We'll clean it in a couple of weeks and that's about yeah. it. You know? Oh, we got it. All of a sudden everything got nice and we we're like, okay, this is definitely an investment project. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were like, this is your forever home. But financially for us, it didn't make sense for this to be our forever home. Like yeah. we need, it. it had to be like a stepping stone towards something else, you know? So that was kind of, that was really like the transition in our thinking was like, okay, let's, we we really love living in the city. Like, you know, living off Idaho, we really love it over there. Loved, mm-hmm. you know, just Even loving being back. close to stuff and, and, you know, traffic and gas and everything else that goes with that. It's just, uh you know, we had a pool cleaner and there's just all these additional costs and yeah. efforts that go with having a large house that we just kind of wanted yeah. to scale back on. And
0: you know? he had transitioned, so he was, he was um, no longer doing the contracting. He had moved into small product modern design. Oh, right. Yeah. Hit product, the butler, <laughs> uh, the organizational piece for every human. Sure. And for everything. I think in the whole family, we boxed so many of those. Well, your parents and us, uh, a few friends, yeah. too. Gosh, Throw those out of production.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, I yeah, mean, pretty much.
0: Here's some in the garage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a small there's a small lot in the garage, but yeah, it's it, no longer in uh, production. Yeah, it was uh yeah, it was good. Good while it lasted and yeah. yeah.
0: It was a great launching bat for him to understand that he was gonna make this move into more of um I guess building this design path for yourself. Yeah. And he started to wake up at 5, 5.30 in the morning, every morning to teach himself how to CAD. And the reason why he transitioned out of uh, construction, having the contracting company, was for his health. Um, he just couldn't physically do it any longer. And so he was going to have to figure out how to live this design life in a different way. And yeah. so he started to teach himself how to do the CADing. And there was a small product that came along. And so that transitioned our life in a big way. And as we were selling, he was starting to get into looking at bringing these bigger buildings into life. And so I think you were right on the cusp of starting the Duke in Bakers Hill. Yeah?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Around that timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she supported me like during the front end of deciding to just do my passion project, which is, which was just to become a designer, you know, my parents are like, what? So what are you gonna really do though? Like what's your real <laughs> job though? And I'm like, no, I, I just wanna be a designer and I'm gonna build small pieces and custom furniture and stuff like that. And then like a year in, you know, you still have a lot of people asking you, but like, but like what are you really gonna do to make money? You know, you know, same yeah. conversation you have. I'm like, this is what I'm gonna do, you know? And but you're doubting I was doubting myself all through that phase, you know. That was a two year phase of trying to make it work and doing like other odd jobs on the side and and then the the butler is what ultimately like made it happen for for us was like okay finally it's financially feasible and then and then that kind of is what transitioned into uh, allowing us to do other projects you know
0: and getting back to the city
1: yeah but the home at that time our home at that time was also my workshop so so that was a big piece of our home was the whole ground floor was like a 900 square foot shop and so we really i mean it was so cool i i loved I love that home and I love that. I loved having a the shop there. It just, uh, there was just certain elements of it being too large and just feeling excessive for two people. Yeah. Us not, us not want, you know, us deciding not to have kids. It just didn't seem like it made sense anymore, you know? And so we're we're both super financial conscious. So I think that's, that was a big driver. And then, and then obviously with like everything going on with the environment that became like another big driver to to uh, To find something a lot smaller and to just like really scale back, Um, because we 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 kind of felt at that point that that's like really how we would love to live, you know, and and we've been doing this for five years now. Yeah, you know,
0: so home is where you are. (laughs) 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 So what? How big is your home now? Yeah, but you have a tiny home. Yeah. Well, we ended up being nomadic for a little under a year after we sold. And we were, do, we were going through a lot, a lot of change at that time. And so in the change, uh, we unfortunately lost his father. Uh, right about that time we were making all these decisions. And we uh, moved not only ourselves, but we got his mom to come out to the city with us. So she lives about 10 um, houses up from us now.
1: Yeah, she scaled back as well. She, yeah. lives, she lives in like 1,100 square feet and her house was like uh, almost 19, so wow, that was a big scale for her. And it's yeah. like her house is—I mean, she's one person and a dog, 100 yeah. square feet is fine. But that was the model, you know, a thousand eight hundred to a thousand square feet was the model for so many years. And and it's it's so spacious, you know. We opened up a couple walls and redid all the interiors and stuff, and it's really perfect. Such a it's perfect, it's so cute.
0: Perfect. Oh my gosh. So adorable. But so yeah, that. So we all moved out this way and Kurt and I remained about, you know, we would do a, a couple days with your mom or a couple weeks with your mom. And then we'd go on a trip or we'd mm. try different Airbnbs around town to see what neighborhood we really wanted to settle into. And we stayed at this Airbnb across the street from where we are now. And we didn't know this street, but uh, we stayed in the Airbnb and it was kind of quiet. And then we fell in love with it over a week Cut to going out and staying for a couple months out at your cousin's place in La Jolla. And Kurt found online the place that we're in now. And he's like, there's this. Well, she
1: actually took a plant from this. Yeah. From this house. The guy up front was, he was like, I think Bunch he would clipping. do clippings here uh, and there. Okay. okay. And while we were, we were staying, she walked by and he had some clippings that she like brought back to that Airbnb, which is on the corner <laughs> of our street and, and like planted it in there. They needed in help their- with their gardening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> it was super funny to like find that house and and so we checked the house out and it was just a freaking wreck of a house oh my know? gosh like,
0: it was perfect it was
1: for 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 the all the right reasons it had been sitting on the market for three months like in a decent market but like just yeah like cash all cash buyer only because it's just like missing found like tons of most of the foundation's not here in the zillow picture it's leaning sideways cuz oh it's pulls off of the front footing
0: it was five colors
1: five colors <laughs> totally illegally built into four apartments oh my god with a single family house just cut up and yeah so it was i wasn't really that excited about it to be honest i was kind of like i don't really want a big project cuz cuz we were i was i was already starting some of these uh these infill projects and i just didn't really have a lot of the time for it and so she was a little bit more excited. I was really excited about the neighborhood. I was like, I love this neighborhood. Really love, I really want to be here, but I just wasn't sure if we wanted to do this scale. But um, So
0: we walked away from it saying, he's like, it's too big of a project. And for me, like I said, I'm not attached to like the physical so much. It's more a okay. feeling of where I want to be. Yeah. And he... um He's like, it's just too much. We go back to where we're staying and I think three days go by and he wakes up in the morning on the third day and he checked the listing. He's like, it's still available. I'm like, you know what I think? I think we should get it. It's totally your energy. We're supposed to have projects. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that it has to be perfection at all for the next i don't know decade like we would be okay if we just get it to livability yeah and so we made an offer and then somebody went in and offered way above what we asked or were offering Mm -hmm. but i had written a letter because you should always write a letter and uh really kind of leaned into what we were doing with our lifestyle but the thing that got uh, that was the the hook was that the son of the man who um, he had, the man who had owned it had passed? His son, who was in his sixties, okay, was selling it, and he had the butler saved no. in his like bookmark of, of websites, and so uh, he knew exactly who Kurt was, and was like, "I want you to have my dad's property."
1: And butler, he, Butler, close like. the deal. Uh-huh
0: so there's just like these little magic moments but you like when i walked on this property as i knew it was magic i knew it was right in line with the lifestyle that we wanted to have in the city because we still both need a lot of downtime a lot of quiet time i think probably i'm a little bit more out and social but he is a quiet surfer most of the time chatty but a quiet surfer and needs some nature yeah. and um and something about this street is it just delivers both of the those those concepts. And we s- kind of sit under these pepper trees that just swing and bring this magical uh. Aspect. I think the pepper
1: trees definitely yeah. they're like the they're the magic of this space. There's yeah. two immature pepper trees and they just they're just really cool. And I think it makes it a lot of people come up here and they feel like they're they're kind of in the in the hills, in the trees, and they feel like they're outside the city and those trees definitely do it.
0: Yeah, but the structure is definitely still Lost Boys Yeah, from Peter Pan, and if there's an earthquake, we should probably run out, Yeah, Um, but it's perfect for us. Right now, it's perfect. And there's no need to like make any big maneuvers other than to maybe uh, redirect the wildlife that wants to live under my bed. That's all. Oh my God! You're gonna to have to send me photos of this house. No, oh, you're just gonna come over. Oh sure. yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd love to come over. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's so we we ended up splitting it into two units. So it's an Airbnb in the back, which is like 350 square feet, and then we live in about 400 square feet, which is just it's just it's it's a small one bedroom, and it's just kind of like an open open floor plan. Single single wall is the kitchen, and then otherwise, like there's a little office area for Christina to work and then and then the outside is really what helps live here because there's like a couple different terraced wood decks that you can go and hang out on or uh we have a couple we have three sheds So a lot of a lot of sheds, lot of sheds. <laughs> i think he he'd he to use the uh under what is it 120 oh right
0: yeah 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 the eight by ten
1: right yeah so so he's got three of those ones one's kind of my office when i'm not on a project and then one's my workshop area and then another one storage. so it works out great because yeah. good overflow and then we have a garage area for her for her workout and office space so so it's a good it's a good amount of space and yeah we just love we love being super close to everything now again and uh and just and just not really having to um to worry about a lot of the maintenance and stuff that we used to just yeah. really. It's really nice.
0: Oh, that's huge. And then how does it transition into um, your newest project?
1: Yeah, so uh, the Airbnb, I think, was kind of a little bit of the design uh, exercise to, to better understand. And this, they're both really in different ways, because this one was a one bedroom. The Airbnb is a studio. Okay. Airbnb, uh, the layout was a little bit weird. The guy that lived there before, he was... He was living in like a lofted kind of space above the bathroom, but headroom's really small. And so for his bed. Yeah, for his bed. And uh, and so we were a little bit reluctant to, plus we were just a little worried about like Airbnb guests having to climb stairs all the time. Oh, right, and yeah. Liability and stuff like that. So um, so we instead the bathroom had this like closet behind it. So we just ended up pushing, removing the closet section, and and that became this like bed niche and the bed niche is kind of uh what i used at the project it was kind of a similar concept where you're you have you know you still you're still giving everybody a um like an open space but the bed is it's it allows the bed to be closed off like when you want it to be closed off and i feel like that is like a functional detail of a studio that allows it to feel more like a living space and less like you're living in a bedroom, and so we kind of did two different versions of that with these two spaces, and then uh, and then it was really cool because we lived in the space, lived okay like our our kitchen area it was like how much how much storage do you really need in a kitchen for it to feel like fully functional for someone that cooks all the time like Christina cooks all the time she loves cooking so I wanted to make sure. We weren't, we weren't going to be reducing any space for, for just like living functionality. So like the kitchens were designed in some ways, similar to what we have here where it's like, it's more or less like a 10 to 12 foot bank of, of cabinetry and appliances. And that felt really good. I felt like the two of us, we can work in the kitchen really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no bar space, even though I you know some of the people that have moved into Cayuca, they put like a little bar in there too. Okay. So it's, you know, there's there's some like floating functionality that I feel like people can add to it. But um, but yeah, these are these are 400. So so that kind of transferred over to a, like one of the main floor plans that I designed for Cayuca, which is 370 square feet. So it's a little bit smaller than what we were living in. So, so I just made sure we added more storage to the space to make it more functional. So like there's floor to ceiling wardrobe space that's built in, and then there's a bed that's built in. And, um, and then we have floor to ceiling casework for all the entire kitchen. And then uh, in the bathrooms we're, we're hiding all the laundry inside the bathrooms. Uh, we, we have a little since the bed since the beds are like a tuck in niche we uh we put we installed this little phone charging dock thing in the wall so instead of having a side side table where everybody puts their phones you have a side you have this little niche that you can charge your phones in just like a lot of little stuff like that that it's it's well, it's the not really space too. the outdoor space yeah almost all of them almost all but four units in the whole project have a, either a patio space or a deck space and i feel like that's just almost a must in san diego you know it's just it's so warranted especially if you're going to have a small space i feel like you want to have some something to go to outside you know and so that was a huge part i think a lot of people are pulling back on that now just because because you don't get the same you don't get like the the rent increase doesn't warrant it for a lot of people if they're just working off for of performa, forma you know but i think for you know for how for how I designed Kayuka I'm try, you know I was trying to create an experience and not just an experiment. You know, like I think a lot of the studios I, I I'm I've I've gone into in the last couple of years, they feel more like an experiment for people to come and use for a year, and not really like a a, a long term experience. You know, and lifestyle I think change. yeah, so I think for most people, if they're not designers. I don't think they're going to go and build out those spaces. You know, they're just going to come in, put their furniture in them, and then they're just going to kind of get burned out on it. Not quite being spacious enough, you know? So, so that was like a big part of the design was trying to figure out like what's the sweet spot in square footage, what's the sweet spot in like how much extra money we want to invest in built-ins and things like that. Cause you know, a lot of that stuff, you're not going to get back. We're not charging more rent than any of the other market rate stuff. We're actually charging less than, than most of them are. And so it's just kind of like trying to find this happy medium, so that so that the project still made sense financially, but but we we're giving everybody what we think what, what is like the the happy medium of things, so that so that people want to live there for four or five years and not just like one year.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's genius having that that bedroom, the bed niche is amazing, and then also having the cutout. Because people are just gonna, if, if you don't have that, people are just gonna throw whatever bed frame and weird shit they got, and it's like it yeah. just it kills everything. Same thing with the wardrobe; they're just gonna like, who knows what they're gonna bring? I've seen it. It's like, just yeah. doesn't make sense. Like, and they don't right. understand. Some people don't understand scale and size, and it's like, you know, you and you've kind of helped that along so that they can keep this beautiful aesthetic, have it very functional and then it's like they come in like okay all i need is like a sofa and maybe like an outdoor patio set and we're good like yeah, you did like the big stuff
1: <laughs> hey and i don't i just don't think most people most people don't have the interest to do that you know i think like the people that do are probably five percent that really want to like bring in all the extra stuff and really dial it in so i just think it, it should you know i think ultimately it should be up to the designers to to try to take care of that stuff as much as possible so that it's just functional right off the bat, you know, because I just think otherwise it otherwise it's not. And then it's kind of a shame to not make it more functional for everybody and make it because it's it's every square feet is, is plenty of space. And that's the cool thing about it is people will go in there when we did these tours and like, you know, we had one, the tour you were on, you know, yeah. it's like there's like 15 people in that space and You know, with the slider doors open, it feels super comfy, you know, and I I just, I just think that's, it's really cool that 370 square feet can feel comfortable for 15 people, you know?
0: Yeah, it's great. And your your bathrooms are huge.
1: (laughs) Bathrooms are huge. They're adaptable and accessible. So that's like the city standard, you know, Um, which I think is great. Like we, you know, we have to make sure that we're always providing everything for, for the entire community and not just for everybody that's not. You know, a uh, handicap or, or yeah. something, as other d- disabilities, you know. So, so yeah, it's a good, good benefit for sure.
0: I think watching him go through the process and bringing this building to life, mm-hmm. um, now that he's done three, was going into his own concepts of life, like figuring out who he was, what he wanted to stand for, and his partner, Pat, being on the same page, who is also. Um, (laughs) but pat and his family having their history of being in san diego and providing uh housing that that is attainable for for many um them working together to to design what surfers would want to bring to the city and how are we going to preserve Um, our footstep or just be aware of our footstep within the city watching him conceptualize the the entire project from the point of view of pat and him um and what you guys wanted to do was really beautiful and that it lives within the building now from deconstruction and all of that Yeah. So I I just think it's amazing that you have designing spaces based on like your actual existing spaces, the spaces that you've lived in. And then you've also incorporated your values. And part of that is being in the surf community and looking out for no mother nature and having her be your kind of your guide. So tell me about all the things that you have incorporated from the deconstruction process to like the runoff water um, solution. And I
1: think one of the first things that was kind of like a driver, obviously like everything's smaller. That's like the biggest driver of everything. That's like, you know, construction waste, uh, material usage, all that stuff. That's the, that's the biggest driver of this whole project. You know, we're our average, our average unit size, you know, most of half of the projects in 70 square feet. So that, that unit's supposed to replace the typical market rate, 650 square foot one bedroom so right away we're almost half of what that person is typically renting out so so we're taking out almost half of the construction materials use by doing that and and you know and making sure it's functional is a huge part of that and not just an experiment but um but beyond that uh there's a lot of design details that that were integrated into the project um a lot of people are shifting towards concrete right now concrete's more uh it's, it's a lot more durable and, and lasts a lot longer and, and material costs are almost shifting to where it's, it's within like five to 10% in the total construction project costs to just do concrete. So there's more people switching towards that concrete can't is, you know, obviously can be really beautiful. Seagull, John Seagull has always done like a gorgeous job of that. Um, the, the downside to it is it's, it's about 50% as sustainable as as uh, wood framing and so uh you know lime is not a renewable it's uh it's recyclable but it's not renewable so i think uh one of the first first decisions that i made was was that it was all stick framing and that we weren't going to do a podium deck we eliminated the podium deck and in exchange for that uh we have three standalone structures with seismic joints in between them because they're not they're not tied together on a second floor, tradi- which would be traditionally tied together by a podium deck for um, for the diaphragm. And so the the wood the wood versus the concrete was a was like a, a big decision I made early on. Um, I think cost wise, there's probably not a big cost difference between the two, to be honest. Maintenance wood's probably gonna be a little bit more, but I think you know, it's it's that balance you're trying to find. Like, I think we have to make decisions for, for, for the environment and, and for, you know, for the next hundred years. And I think like everybody's saying that's, that's the, that we have to go back that way. Even we have to minimize concrete, even though I think it has longevity purposes. And there's like plenty of arguments for it. I think ultimately everything I'd studied and research was saying, like, we have to, we have to be more on the lumber side, the stick frame side. Um, so that was a big, that was a big decision. The other one was just adding uh adding solar to the entire roof I wanted to make sure that was designed into the project from the beginning because all these projects are so much stuff that you can you can put on the roof with like all the HVAC units and all the venting for the plumbing and uh it can just get littered really fast with like mechanical and other uses so so that was part of the initial design and it was part of the construction budget from the beginning uh, like on the previous project, we designed it into the project for one of the roofs, but it wasn't integrated into the construction budget because we just didn't, like the, the funds weren't there. But this one, I was like, from the beginning, it's got to be in the pro forma. It's got to be part of that and it's not going to get taken out. And um, so that, that powers. Uh, it's pretty cool. I have this app now and it tells me, um, I'll show it to you because it's, yeah. I, I look at it every couple of days now because it's just kind of cool how they quantify things. But but it, um, it gives you, it gives you the power of creation. Oh, rad. Day to day. And then at the bottom, at the bottom, it's, uh, it tells you how many, how many trees you planted. And what emissions you've, you've, uh, you've reduced.
0: We got 16 trees so far.
1: It's 16. just cool. It's just like a, it's, I think it's great to give people, people want, like, people want to visually see what, this is doing.
0: Yeah, they want to you know, know and impact I think the
1: that's, making. It's odd, like this app Solar Edge. It just came with the, uh with the solar system we put in, you know. But I think, you know, it's like people. I feel like people. In order for it to be tangible, you know, people need to actually f- like feel it. What, what, what is that doing for us, you know? So that our system is all three roofs, and it'll it's gonna essentially power a quarter of the of the. Of the units, so it'll end up powering like six units. It's almost what everybody's doing now. You know that's the requirement for new, new, uh, new residential. It's still not a requirement for apartments. I'm hoping that shifts in the next couple of years because I just think it's, it's like, it's crazy that we have all this flat space all over the city being built, and we're still not putting solar on it.
0: Yeah, it just it's that blows my mind. It's
1: like, blows my mind. Yeah, it's like wh- this is this could take away how many emissions from cars changing over to electric. You know, there's so many things. So, um, so yeah, that was like a big one. I think the the biggest part of that is making sure it has to be in there from the beginning. Like it has to be in the pro forma that the developers, you know, talking with this financial advisor about it's all that stuff has to be in there. And, and it can't be like the fact that gets cut out at the end of the project, you know? And I think that's super important. And these like a couple different elements, they have to just, they have to just always be in there. They can't be cut out. And, and so the other big one, that I personally feel like is really important for San Diego is pervious, pervious pavers versus concrete. Um, and so that's the entire project's pervious, aside from some SDG easement that we have that had to be uh grouted. Um, and that's gonna uh the, the math I've done is like in a two-inch rain event, we'll we'll soak up about 80% of the water on site. And then the rest kind of flows down into this other kind of wash-in basins. So more or less, I don't think we actually divert any water to, to run and in, into our oceans. And, you know, the other option that all these projects have these days is the, the bioretention basins. But the biggest downside to those is that, uh, what happens is you f- filter all that water through these pools on site, and then they just flow out to the streets. So they just get polluted on the streets and then it just goes out to our ocean. So I don't really think there's any value to it after doing it on two projects. I just think it's a huge disconnect. And I think, you know, I think it should be like, if you can't, you know, some sites are, some sites are almost entirely building. So Pervious doesn't necessarily work on a lot of sites. So I think there should be another option where maybe there's a fee that you pay to to do Pervious somewhere else as like an alternative. But, you know, for, you know, for us in San Diego, and I think pretty much anywhere that's coastal, I feel like it, it's a, it's a massive red alarm that we should all be experiencing right now. Because, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that 75% of our oxygen comes from our, our aquatic ecosystem. And, you know, we're killing all of our aquatic mm-hmm. ecosystem with all of our water runoff. So, so I think it's, it's super important, like that these types of strategies are getting in place on anything new getting built because if we don't do it we're not going to have it you know we're not going to be able to enjoy La Jolla cove and all those things they're just going to they're going to go away and you know, it's just a matter of time you know and i think i know the city's doing stuff but i think we need to be doing a lot more you know so yeah those are kind of like the main things there's a lot of other little things we did uh we did our our demolition we did deconstruction versus demolition so so we had a team come out they they hand pulled the all the existing buildings apart and uh we were able to recycle a lot of the lumber on old on old homes is like just <laughs> worth money now you know you know yeah, it's
0: like, yeah oh, they love growth. it
1: like old growth dug fir is now is now this like you know it's like mahogany yeah you know it's like tight tight grain tight grain wood so a lot of these older older spots like you know the the existing buildings two of them were built in the 70s and they were kind of like they're not really well built and what were they what's that
0: what were they were they houses or
1: there was a duplex that was just kind of funky and then there was a little studio so those were like the two two structures built in like the late 70s and then there was an there was an old home that was kind of run down um it ended up having like they do an analysis on your on your project initially and uh because you get this great tax rebate from it, and that's like this huge selling point to it is is your tax rebate could be enough to it's always going to be enough to offset the additional cost of deconstruction. But what it'll most oftentimes do is it'll actually make it cheaper than doing demolition. Wow. You know, initially that it was quoted that we were going to get like a sixty thousand dollar rebate tax rebate from it, and it ended up going down to like twenty five thousand because because a lot of the lumber ended up being termites. Um, which is still recyclable, but it's not, uh, it's not reusable so much, although people aren't going to, uh, resell it. Um, so that was kind of, I think that's a huge one, you know, that's, that's another one that I feel like should just be the standard. It should just be deconstruction, especially now because materials cost so much money Mm -hmm. that all, a lot of that stuff can just get reused in some way or another if, if someone just takes the time to pull it all apart. And, and there's companies that do that. And uh, cost-wise, it was within five thousand dollars of demolition, so it was it, it, instead of fifty thousand dollars for demolition, it was fifty-five thousand for deconstruction, and we got a twenty-five thousand dollar tax rebate, and we were able to donate uh, a bunch of appliances and cabinets to Habitat for Humanity uh, w- within that process. So it's like a win for so many, wow. people, so many reasons, and and it should just be the standard. But it's I just don't think it's communicated enough out abroad, and so. I think everything comes down to timing for a lot of people and timing is like demolition is so quick and EDCO Edco recycles things, but technically a lot of that stuff's still going to the landfill, you know? So I, you know, it's another one where I I just hope that that just becomes the gold standard of San Diego, you know, and then we all transition towards it just because, uh, I think it's financially, it's financially better. I just don't think enough people know about it yet that it is financially a better option. You just have to give yourself. Instead of demolition taking two, three days, deconstruction is going to take two weeks. So just start your project two weeks early and then you're good, you know?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that is that people don't understand or don't know that that's available. And then the other thing that I've noticed with, you know, builders and developers and all these construction is sometimes it's hard for them to do stuff that they haven't done before. So they, you know, they get into their, their routines. They know how to do it. It's like, you know, I've been doing this for 50 years and, you know, they just like have their, thing that's like okay. <laughs> so I think getting like your team in place and and you know I've got a couple of GCs that are like all about like experimenting, trying something new, you know, how can we do it in a better way? And those are like the key people to really connect with. And you're I mean it's it's huge and and then you know when you work with somebody that's so rigid, it's just like it's so defeating. It's just
1: yeah. And the industry is super rigid and I think that's the challenge, you know. I think That's what everybody, you know, everybody that's trying to kind of slowly transition into this new, all these new environmental models that, you know, it's, there's so much pushback, you know, I would say like 90% of the industry is, is stuck in doing things the same way that we were doing them, you know, 70 years ago. And it's just, it doesn't make sense anymore. But luckily, you know, what's happening is it's like LED lights and solar. It's all these things where it's becoming so uh what is it? Uh yeah, it's like the supplies supply's there, the money's there for it, the costs are coming down for everything. So it's transitioning to it any anyways. So I think it'll a lot of these things are just gonna happen. I mean it's good to see it's good to see that the city's uh requiring, you know, three stories and under on on new houses to have solar. I think all that stuff's happening. It's just yeah. that you know, we just Uh, you know, everybody's just got to keep doing it, you know, doing it more. And it just becomes a standard for everywhere you go, you know, which is great.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just so inspiring to see all the things that you guys are doing and just being like, oh, there's people that care and they understand. And, you know, it just like opens up this expansion of being able to look at things differently and having faith, you know, that the world can (laughs) shift and change and we can actually do something. and um, that you guys are following your values and you're living, like you're living your talk. You know, you're you're doing the things, and it's just like, oh, it's amazing. I'm just, yeah, I'm just in awe of both of you guys. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Well, I think you do this thing for our community. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's such a beautiful job, just bringing people together and yeah. changing yeah. conceptual ideas of how people can live in this world. So
1: yeah, but being mindful in this space, I think, is huge. You know, mm-hmm. getting that starting, starting out wherever your new spaces like starting out on the right foot i think that's that's huge you know Mm -hmm. such an important piece of of being comfortable and you know moving forward and and not having like the stress and all those other things that come with it you know we just had a friend over last weekend that just bought a house and so we were they were telling us all their uh DIY woes, you know, which is always great. <laughs> you're
0: like I better like you like, keep going. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. have fun. You can just make this like an entire stage for yeah. chaos to record and have fun. And then one day, six months from now, you'll you look laugh. back and you'll be like, We came far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a big <laughs> journey.
1: It is. It's it a all yeah, journey. every time. Every one of these projects is a big journey, you know.
0: Yeah. I think, especially in the last few years. With the climate of our world, it became overwhelming to think of how we could create change. It seemed like it was unattainable. And I think for the two of us, it just became very clear that it had to be about our community. And if it's within the block that we live on or the neighborhood that we've decided to really, kind of sink into what could we do just on a smaller scale on daily living and once we started practicing that more often um and that was the transition of going so big to small again and getting back to the city everything kind of just without us intentionally doing it just kind of came together on its own so it's interesting to just be in the space that we are right now on the back end of so much chaos, while still being in so much chaos. Yes. Uh, it feels like we've settled into a nice spot of knowing that we do have some kind of power, you know? Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. It's really like, it's just all those little things, you know, it's like, if everybody just does all those little things, I feel like there's, there's huge change. I mean. I, You know, honestly, everybody's so bummed on the gas, the gas right now, but uh, there's a huge blessing in that whole situation. I mean, COVID COVID was the first one where all of a sudden, right, everybody's everybody's working from home. It shut down so much commuting, so much emissions, just huge, huge reduction. And now with gas prices, there's a, there's a huge wave of people that we're not going to buy electric for probably 10 to 15 years, who knows how long. And now they're up shopping electric, which I think is ultimately it's amazing it's what it's what our environment needs it sucks that it's it's making life more unaffordable you know and hopefully the other things will kind of offset that because it is kind of insane how things how expensive things are right now but i think ultimately we all need to pay a little bit more you know in order for us you know two to three generations to still be here you know i think it's just it's it's I think I think Mother Earth is forcing it. Oh my yes. God!
0: Yeah, she is like, all right, <laughs> I'm
1: Yeah, shut oh. it down. Like you guys aren't gonna do it fast enough. So like, here's COVID, shutting it down, and now it's like, what you know, <laughs> the in- insane crisis in U- Ukraine and Russia. Like that, it's. I feel like ultimately it is. It is just further pushing us away from gas and
0: or pushing us into our true values.
1: Yeah. Too. Yeah. Totally.
0: You know, we don't we don't have little ones, but we do have a lot of nieces and nephews. And if they're the only ones that see maybe a little bit of change that we're trying to do, that would be worth it all. You know, yeah, I mean, they're different. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're seeing everything and they're like my boys, you know, the oldest. He's always like before bed. Sometimes it's like he's worrying about you know the sea level rising and like freaking out about it i'm like oh my god like like this is real stuff for these kids and that they're learning and they're like basically like you guys fucked up like yeah you know and it's like what do right. i say what do i do like how do i like you know comfort him and help him and um but yeah there's, there's a lot there yeah it's- well great job on having such an old kid
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing
0: uh, yeah they're they're both super super sweet um, and going back to mindfulness, are you guys doing anything um, right now in the world of of ritual? Or how do you guys get grounded? How do you stay centered? How do you get into that that world, that mindset? We both we both have different practices. Oh, I want to hear. I think I think uh, for years I tried to pull him into what I was doing, and then he tried to pull me into what he was doing. And he, I'm I'm very uh, I'm less intense when it comes to my ritual of maybe being mindful mm-hmm. um but i'd say definitely i've always been into yoga um being a dancer having a background in dance i think always being very aware of my body um but given that these couple of years of being grounded at home and not having these extracurricular activities that i could pay to get into it really became of uh practice of what i was doing for myself here and what i had in the safety of my own home um so i would say being mindful and in small little practices Mm -hmm. for me five minutes at a time 10 minutes at a time if that's putting on a recording or um just sitting quietly with Mm -hmm. holding my dog and then writing writing is a big one for me It, it has to transition out of my body so I'll try and and write some pages. You have a completely different practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely more I'm more of like a ritual person. Okay. Uh, I have, you know, routines that I just live by. And uh, so over the last I would say like probably five or six years, I've been tr- slowly like fine tuning my like my morning and evening routine, you know, and I've tried a lot of different meditation practices. And then and then I was really into Wim Hof for a little while, and then I found a, a group out of Insignia's called Our uh, Our Breath Collective, and that's that's my go-to routine now. I really love, there's a couple of, they have, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah. There's probably a total of like maybe 15 to 20 different uh, leaders, and every morning at six o'clock, they lead like a 15-minute breath, ex- breath exercise, and I love it, and it's super cool because it, there's so much different variety that you can, uh, you can start to feel which ones are your, what your body really needs, which I really dig. Like I, you know, I, you choose all these different types of meditation and you start to understand which ones are really going to make your, your mind kind of like either, you know, whatever your mind needs to do to like either start or end the day. If it's like take away all the stress or take away all the chaos and like, just, you know, get into that moment of just, you know, paying attention to that one thing and for me breath was definitely it's more of like a it gives you the it's like the added physical element that really allows me to just just like stop all stop everything from outside stop my thoughts from everything that I have to do and just like focus on this one thing and just get into like a really calm state and um, yeah I really love their their practice is great because there's a couple people through their practice that I really that really make my body feel good and so I I just kind of that's my, that's my daily. And I usually do 15 minutes in the morning and then 15 minutes in the evening before I go to sleep. And, and then I do some other like stretches and stuff, but yeah, I love that. That's like my go-to. I can't, I can't not do it. If I do, if I miss a couple of days, my whole body, I just feel it, you know, Wow. like I gotta, I gotta get back on it, you know?
0: And, and that's a virtual thing. You don't do that in person or.
1: Virtual, they they do in-person exercises, workshops and like weekends and stuff like that. But I haven't done any of those. I just do, um, yeah, they do live and then after okay. live it's, it's, um, it's just re- pre-recorded. So you can just, you can go back. The cool thing now is you can go back through. So I have like, there was one that the main guy Reese, there was one that he did on Christmas Eve and I felt so good after that one. So I replay that one probably at least twice a week. That's like one of my go-to exercises. Is just like that one specifically. The everything that the flow from start to finish, like my mind and my body just felt so much better afterwards. And it's cool to find those things because it really is. I think everybody's body is so different. And it's really, I think it takes a while of trying different practices to really find out what like your mind and your body really needs, you know. And I liked yoga a lot, but I feel like yoga is, I needed something more than just yoga. You know, I definitely needed something on the, There's like a mental heart component that I was missing, you know, so it's cool to yeah, it's cool to find those things. I think they're super powerful and I think everybody should be doing them to be honest. I think it's, it's something I wish I was taught when I was like four years old. And, you know, I think my stress levels would probably have been a lot more manageable over the years because, because of it, you know, so it's.
0: Oh my God. And what's it called again?
1: That's called Our Breath Collective.
0: Okay. You'll have to send me the link for that too. I want to put I'll, that in there. <laughs> in the okay. That'd be amazing. Yeah. And is it a membership or is it?
1: Yeah, um, it's a membership, but they also, their, their page has a ton of free, free, uh, breathe breeze on there. Just, you know, they'll do like full weeks of free breeze. So, so you can, I mean, you could live off of their free breeze, but I think it's, uh, once you do that for a while, it's, it's cool to get the variety of their daily. Cause then you can really find the ones that are you're like that's that's one of the ones that was magic for me you know so i'm gonna keep that one and you know it's it's cool to have that
0: and surfing
1: and surfing yeah surfing is my other like
0: when you ask what is your ritual curtis is nothing but routine ritual? yeah surfing yeah, yeah. so Re- curtis what's your sign i'm curious uh porous Uh it's birthday birthday's coming up yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're going on vacation for a birthday
0: yeah
1: <laughs> 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 I was born on Mother's Day. She she was, were,
0: oh, my God. What a gift. I'm sure your mom is just like
1: <laughs> loving oh yeah. up on that. She's that mom. Yeah. 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 She's always definitely her gift. <laughs> oh, she yeah. Loves she loves me. Highly supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so rad. All right. So what's brewing? What's coming up for you after this big trip? What are you guys working on? What do you have? I see that you have a painting back there. I know you've kind of taken on some some painting skills. And and what else you got going?
1: My focus for a while is just going to be more more unc- on. Yeah. More creative projects, less on like the doing and producing and more just on just, uh, yeah, just creative stuff. I want to get back to just creative stuff for a little while and kind of figure out where, where I want to go next, but um definitely taking a, a long pause from development and um, yeah, just design stuff. We're going to, we'll, we're going to rebuild our house at some point um, into, into three, three homes. Mm. uh like a airbnb and a two bedroom and then us like a, a our home so that'll be a project that we probably do in the next like i don't know two to five years kind of thing but okay. i kind of want to totally regroup on on my passions and my like my design love and and take like a slow slow like uh design process into that whole thing i already have a bunch of designs i've done for it but now I kinda wanna back out and, and just kinda feel it out for a while and see what what makes the most sense. So that'll be like my uh, main design project for a while, I guess.
0: I feel like Whitworth, he's saying what he's gonna do and then the time off. I feel like we were still going pretty hard with with the lines of work that we had. Yeah. At time that everybody else slowed down. I feel like we still had so many projects going on that we're kind of wrapping up a a big portion of them and it's time to let go and travel Mm. and reset and i think we'd probably have a better answer in a couple months of what's next i really hope that we don't have a what's next for for a minute
1: yeah i mean we're yeah i'm I'm gonna be the on-site handyman at cayuca
0: like it i'm really
1: really looking forward to that to be honest like just take care of what everybody needs and, and just uh, maintenance and just kind of caring for it. Like it's like it's my home, you know, and just there's some really cool people that have moved in over there. Uh, one of, a friend of a friend is moving in and I, we already have a couple of new friends that live there. So so it's kind of it, it's definitely that spot. And that was a, a part of the magic of of that project was like I wanted it to be close to where we live so I could bike there. And so now we're transitioning into this point where I can bike. I was biking there at the beginning of the project and then it got too busy and I had to like do a lot of like trips to the store and that kind of thing. So now I'm back to, got a little tool shed over there and I got my, my bike upstairs. So it's just kind of biking, biking back over there and fixing things up when I need to. And that's kind of, uh, I'm, I'm super excited to just do that. That's happy Oh,
0: my God. I love that you've created a, a beautiful community over there. Um, and do you still have some spaces that are available for rent?
1: I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, we're all rented up. We have we just have a couple of leases that aren't signed yet, but okay. but we should be. So yeah, th- that's the crazy thing about the market right now. Just it's insane. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of people moving into San Diego from other places, kind of like what's happening in Montana and all these. Like a lot of the people from big cities, we have we have s- someone from New York. Someone from New Jersey, uh someone from Oakland, and then San Jose and San Francisco. So we have five, so twenty-five, I think twenty-five percent of our building is people moving from somewhere else. And I think that's a big that's there's a huge part of what's happening in the rental market right now, which is just people from other places that I think are slightly more expensive than San Diego are moving here because they work from home. Right. And and it's definitely causing a flood to the rental market because I didn't, you know, we didn't advertise originally. We just had our, our posters up. So we were getting, we were getting a good, a level of traffic. We were trying to finish the project and, and my, Pat and I were also doing property management, so we kind of wanted to just take, take it in slowly. And, uh, and then just two weeks ago, we decided to kind of let's, let's market it and finish it. And we did that and we had a huge flood of people. People are like sending us personal statements and And yeah, a ton of people at the open house and it's, and then it just, yeah, that was it It sold out. It's crazy. It's just a crazy time right now. It's this big transition and city happening and pretty wild.
0: So crazy. And what does Cayuca uh, mean? What's the meaning of the word?
1: Uh, So when I was doing the historical review on the project, uh, you have to go to the San Diego Historical Society and you look on the old Sanborn maps. So when I was doing that, I noticed that Robinson Avenue in, like, the 20s used to be called Cayugo. Oh. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's, like, the main drag of Hillcrest. It's yeah. one of the main thoroughfares. So I kind of like that name. So we just, we just put a C instead of a G just to give it a little bit more, uh, I don't know.
0: Oh, Peppy. Yes. Yeah, a little Curtis flair. It
1: a little bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the Yugo, the Yugo <laughs> car that was, like, a failure in the market. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't want to have that connotation, so. So, yeah, Cayuca is, is, a, is a flavor of the original Robinson Avenue street name.
0: Oh, that's so cool. And I love the icon. It's just happy. And it just reminds me of like times of past. That's, well, a, okay. that's a shout out to our friend Lauren Alec. Yeah, our she's friend Lauren, she's yeah.
1: a, she actually, uh, yeah, so she worked, she used to work for this uh, really cool uh, graphic design shop in, in uh, Orange County. Uh-huh. And that's how we originally started working with her but now she works for uh for Mindspace,
0: space uh, like
1: a lead yeah. designer for that's
0: Mindspace. hey no wonder
1: so, yeah so she has yeah. the same feels
0: i love it
1: it's cool that's cool to have her because that's definitely like a part of us Is like yeah. that whole you know just that train of thought i feel like and she has the same she's a surfer too and surfer as well um yeah so it's it's cool she did a good job oh, we're
0: happy yeah she them. did and then i think she also made you guys like some keychain design and uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah we stuck her logo on those keychains and yeah, yeah. So I' moving, yeah, moving in we'll get
0: you one yeah yes i'm like i'm obsessed with it <laughs> <laughs> i need to make some keychains those are beautiful <laughs> oh thank you yeah, uh, yeah, like like everything you guys are doing is just so intentional, and I think that's the the big thing is like being really intentional, connecting to our values, connecting to our cores, and then living that life and showing up in that way. And you know, showing up in that way for the future generations. You've got your nieces and nephews that are looking up to you. I've got my boys. Like, yeah, it's huge. It's huge.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're the, we're definitely that generation that I feel like you know, I think our our parents' generation was like the beginning of recycling. You know oh there's recycling bins that was that transition you know so i feel like it's it's been this slow transition but i feel like now it's you know it's it's exponential and i feel like it's we need exponential efforts you know from our generation and obviously the one after us is going to be the one that's really going to like turn it up a lot and and make these huge shifts but yeah no i think everything every little bit you know everything everything we're doing it'll be interesting when the compost I know the compost thing's supposed to be coming in two years and I'll I'll be interesting to see how how that shifts.
0: Yeah, we've been doing that in Encinitas um, so everyone can drop all their compost into the green bin. So we've been, like before that, it was like this big thing where we have to say, I don't want, you know, there's worms and there's like, it smells and this whole thing. And now they've just made it so easy where we just dump it in and it's like, we don't have to worry about it.
1: Just So is your green bin the same size as your trash bin? Yeah. Got it. So it's just one extra bin and then all your all your food goes in there
0: yeah it's the same green bin that you would throw like all of your clippings from the yard when yeah you know the mowers and the gardeners and everything just dropping in all the green and all the food
1: how much uh how much extra you know like say if you're if you were if your trash bag was filling up every like three or two days or something like that how much how much difference do you think it is for your family when you're diverting all that
0: it's hard to I'd probably say like 20%.
1: 20%.
0: Because I mean we're I mean we're, we've got like a bowl that we fill up and we we toss out like throughout the day and it adds up pretty fast and it's heavy and you know dense and are yeah. trash. It's like you don't I feel like and then you of course have the recycling so it's like there's hardly ever any like trash trash. I feel like we need a bigger recycling bin is what we need. It's like we don't have enough to space to like put all the recycling in.
1: Right. What's your uh, what's your uh, compost setup look like in your house then?
0: Oh, it's just like we just have this metal bowl that sits on our kitchen counter right by the sink. So whenever we um, do the dishes or when the boys, you know, clean up their plates, they just we scrape it all into the bowl and perfect. Put the dishes on the dishwasher. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it just becomes part of the routine.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think we're at city of san Diego it sounds like we're still two years out before that is it isn't it 2025 or 2024 I don't know I think yeah. they're still trying to find the like that uh, there was something that went through they were still trying to finalize the funding for all that you know because it's like a it's another whole truck and transfer and everything has to be has to have a place and they might charge for it or yeah I don't know I've I heard some talk about it but I don't I don't know what's like the final yeah. but and
0: then I know people do have like the countertop compost things. And then they also have the bins. And uh-huh. I've I mean, just seen that in my client's homes that they're all doing it already, so. That's great. That's yeah, awesome. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, we need to, we need to do that. We, we haven't started that because um, we don't frame.
0: Well, we tried. Yeah. We tried to do composting ourselves here on the property. And yeah. but as I said, the wildlife has. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have to figure out a better system. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you talk about the wildlife. We have this cat door for the our cats to go in and out. We've had skunks come in. We've had raccoons come in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Same. Yeah. But I love them all and like the possums. And I'm like, just, like, stop beating them or like, don't like encourage that. Like, you know, yeah. they come in and eat the cat food. So we'll yeah. that. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like, it's cool, but also,
0: uh, yeah, don't do that.
1: <laughs> and whatnot that come with that as well. Kind of medium in nature, yeah. It is their home.
0: (laughs) I know we've moved into their territory,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, well, thank you so much for being on here. I'm just like over the moon. I can't wait to share all of this with everybody and all of the links that you're gonna supply me with, too. Because, yeah,
1: it's just neat to see
0: people doing cool things and giving the inspiration to others that they can do it, even if just little teeny tiny little things. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, well, thank you for yes. making time for us.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's good talking to you. Always a pleasure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. Thanks.
1: All right. We'll talk to you soon.
0: You have been listening to Bewitching the Home. Special thank you to all my Patreon members. Without you, this show would not be possible. Music composition by Ken Seth Thibodeau. Editing by Marcy Ferry. And special assistance by Blake Ferris. If you like what you're listening to, please hit the subscribe button, and if you want to support us even more, please join me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bewitching. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Lorraine, L-A-R-R-A-I-N-E, and find out more information about the podcast on the website bewitchingthehome.com.